church. I'm going to follow that, but I'm going to try to keep this in the vein of what this this lesson this month is about. So it's real uh, Hebrews 11:16 says, "But now, but now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly, wherein wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city." He has prepared for them a city. And I was, as I was studying and praying and seeking the Lord and looking at the, the notes, I, was, I said, okay, God, I don't know kind of where to pick up and where to start. And, and you're just going to have to kind of help me to kind of know what to say. And so I was just sitting there with my computer in front of me. I had nothing on just a blank sheet. And then just all of a sudden it just started coming. So this... What I feel like God just, you know, he just right there sitting there on in the chair, just he answered. And so this is what I believe he wants me to talk about. And it's in the same vein of, of this better place, this better country. And at the end of that scripture, it says, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, it's not a regular city like we think of, like downtown La Crosse. It's, it's a different kind of city. And, and we're going to be a living soul that's going to live in eternity. We're not, and, and so we're not going to be dwelling in houses like we do now. We're, you know, the Bible says in John 14, 1 through 12, if we could just go there. John chapter 14, I'm sorry I didn't give you these ahead of time, but I'm sure you'll be up to the task. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 12. We're talking about a better country or a better place, a better country. John 14, 1 through 12 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I wouldn't. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place, or a holy dwelling for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We have a promise right there. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord. We know whether we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Let me get this out of the way. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen them. Seeing him, he's trying to give them revelation here. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show, I love this scripture right here. Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It's kind of like us sometimes. God, you're going to have to show me. Show me, God. I don't get it. Anybody ever done that? God, I don't understand this, God. Could you show me? Like, Daddy, how does it work? Daddy, why is grass green? Daddy, why is dirt dirty? Little kids ask those kind of questions. So we it's nothing wrong with us asking those kind of questions. And Philip said, show us the Father. Okay, you said we know the Father, so show him to us. And it, it'll, be, it'll suffice it. 
And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? There's the revelation. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Ding, 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 ding. That's, I remember the day that light came on in my life that I saw that. It was amazing. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe for the very works' sake that it's the Father doing it in me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And he was talking there in the beginning of that about preparing a place. And it's in the, in the Greek, and, and my study of this, it talks about a, a dwelling place for our soul to dwell with our Heavenly Father who is Jesus Christ. And that's what we're doing on this earth, aren't we? We're trying to have a relationship with our Father. Amen? And if I, ha- if you- if I asked you to raise your hand, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll guarantee you, everybody in this room and probably people listening, if I said, do you want to make it to heaven? Every one of us would say, absolutely. I want to make it to heaven. Matter of fact, some of us would say, I'm, I plan on making it. I'm doing everything I can to make sure I make it. Anybody not doing that, you need to be. Okay? And that's where it comes in. Lord, am I doing everything right? Lord, am I, you know, show me, show me the, the places in my life where I need to turn it over to you. You know? That's what, that's what King David said. Purge me, O God, with hyssop. Get this stuff out of me that's, that's going to get between me and you. I want that relationship to be as good as it can be. Amen? And I want to make it to heaven. And we all want to make it to heaven. But, and that's great. But it's not, it's not just about making it to heaven. Yes, we all want to make it there, but it's not just about making it to heaven. I, to me... To me, this is just to me, the closest thing to heaven on earth to me is my relationship that I have with him right now. I want that to be the very best that it can be. That's the closest thing I feel like I can get to to be in heaven on earth. Because this that we're living in is not heaven on earth. And if you're thinking this is heaven on earth, you're way off. This is not heaven on earth. Not even in this church, but... That relationship that you have with him, that, that time you spend with him in the mornings, in the afternoons. I, I, I talk to the Lord all day long. I, I, you know, sometimes I'm sitting at my desk and I just get up and leave and I walk. Because I've got these hallways I can walk in and I just walk and pray to myself. Pray for the people there. Pray for the Lord to open doors. I just pray. I just talk to him. I listen to him. I don't just set aside a certain time of the day for my relationship and then say, okay, I gave you my two hours. I'll talk to you tonight. I don't do that. (laughs) I don't treat her that way. I don't treat my family that way. Why would I treat my God that way? Like I heard one guy say, 
said he told his wife, I love, told you I loved you when I married you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. That's not the way you want to treat the one you said you loved and it's forever and until the death, death do us part, right? And so we have that kind of relationship with him. So it's imperative. You know, I love spending time alone with my wife, and I love spending time alone with the Lord. And that's, that's just something we have to do. So it's not, it's not just about making it to heaven. We all want to make it to heaven. 1 Thessalonians 4:13 through 18 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if ye believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will, go, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. There's, our, there's another promise. He's going to do that. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, I love how they, how they call them home goings. They don't call them funerals among our people. I love that. Because they're, they're not, we don't, I mean, we're sad because our family members are gone that are in the Lord, but we're, we're kind of happy for them and maybe even a little jealous <laughs> that they got to go be with Jesus and we're still stuck down here. But we're still stuck down here for a reason. They did their, they did what they were supposed to do. I didn't want to say did their time. For this I said, <clears throat> He's, it goes on in verse 17 and says, they went, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort ye one another with these words. As I've already said, we all want to make it to heaven, don't we? We want, all, we want to get to that place of rest, don't we? No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no, none of this stuff that we have, no more bills, none of this stuff. No more therapists, nothing, none of this stuff, no more, none of that. So while we're focused on submitting ourselves and, and giving our lives totally and completely over to him, let's not neglect the calling and the commission that he gave us before he left this earth. Now, he didn't specifically say it to you and to him and to him, but he told us right here in this word. When he said, go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of men, that was to us. And that is still in place. That commission, when an officer's commissioned in the military, they're, they're, when they're commissioned, they're, they are held to that commission until they're released from it. And we're not released from that commission. And I, I just, I don't think God's pleased with me if all I do is sit on the, per, on the bench and wait for the heaven bus to get here. Right? I, don't, I just don't believe God's happy with me if I'm like that. I'm neglecting what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what that, that man that owned that, that field, when he came to those workers and said, why are you just sitting around? Shouldn't you be busy doing it? Well, nobody's come along to hire us. Well, get out there and work. To me, that that minute, that scripture speaks to me. It says, "Get busy about your father's business." 
We got to have we got this calling and commission on our lives. And we have to, you know, we're going to be judged by how we handled the gift he gave us. Some of us have have different gifts of talking. Some of us have other gifts, but God isn't that we don't get out of being a witness. As Brother Wayne already brought out, it feels good to be a witness. It feels good to, to tell somebody your testimony and see their eyes, see their life change. And see, see that look in their eye like they're thinking about it. I look forward to that. I want that. I desire that. I'm asking God, give me a home Bible study. I even went to conference and bought the new, they have a new, and a new all brand new version of the, of the Exploring God's Word Bible study. You should have seen the people after that service. I mean, they were almost fighting over the Bible study charts. I'm not kidding. It was an awesome thing to see. And there, and the people in the Bible, the bookstore are running around looking for, where where'd we put those other boxes, those things. And these people are, you know, they're, I mean, they were lining up. But some of them were grabbing multiple charts and, and the lessons. And so I thought, I'm going to get me one. And I told God, I said, if, if I'm going to spend the money, then I need you to give me a Bible study. So I can use this thing. And I bought enough for way more than a couple of people. And so we we need to desire that. Amen. I want my, you know, my home is, God bless me with the place that I live, but that's his. We're just stewards of the things that he's given us, the bed to sleep in, the car to drive, and the money in the bank. We're just stewards of that. I want my home to be a place where people can come and feel Jesus when they feel the love of Jesus when they walk in the door and that they can spend a half an hour, 45 minutes or an hour there and eat some food and hear about the Lord and, and hear about the Word of God. I want to do that. Brother Wayne, I want, I want that I want that feeling, not for myself, that I know that I have had a part in bringing somebody to the knowledge of the truth. I remember how it felt when I came to that knowledge. A lot of people were working behind the scenes and praying behind the scenes and doing things and teaching Bible studies to my wife and I to get us to that place. Amen. And thank God we, we made it. So let's not forget the harvest. That was one of the things that the Lord kind of said to me. Don't, let's not forget the harvest. You know, these fields are being harvested day and night. Right? They can't just leave that out there. They got to get that out of the field if they're going to make any money. Right? They got, and it's going to take time. It's going to take work. You got to work in the middle of the night. You got to do whatever you got to do. Everything, life just stops right now for the for farmers that are harvesting crops. This is all they're about. And so this is, the, as I was talking in the beginning, we have this window of opportunity, like Brother Putnam said. We have a, God has given us an open door right now. We've got to get busy about the harvest. How many want to see every seed in this place filled with new converts so that when the backsliders come in, they can't find a seat. Wouldn't that be a good problem? Man, the last time I was here, it wasn't like this. I'd like to hear that out of somebody's mouth. Right? What a problem to have, right? Where are we going to put all these people? I guess we're going to have to get another building. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I, you know, I look at some of these churches, even back when I go back home, churches that I've known and seen there for 
decades since I was a little kid that are still in the same building on the same corner, same size building, not apostolic churches. And they've never grown. They're stuck in the same little building. I, I, just, I just think there's a problem with that. They're comfortable. We don't want to get comfortable. We are the laborers that, that the Lord has called. What did Jesus say? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he what? Send forth laborers into the harvest. And that word send forth that, that in that scripture, it's talking about like ejecting them, like casting out devils. It's the same word that's used in casting out devils. So get them out there. Thrust them out there. We need laborers. Amen? We need to take somebody with us. I want to make heaven my home. You want to make heaven your home? I want to make heaven my home. Amen. I want to go to that better country, that better place. I want to go to that that place of rest, but I don't want to go by myself. And I don't want to go knowing that I didn't do enough to win the guy next to me, to win the coworker that that might be a Wiccan or something. I don't know. You know, we can't just write them off because they're well. They said they're a witch, so I guess I can't win them. What? Who said that? <laughs> Haven't you been listening to these missionary stories? They're they're praying through the Holy Ghost, witch doctors, and all kinds of people. <laughs> God is no respecter of persons. He'll save that one just as as much as anybody else. Praise God. Brother Putnam, one of the things he said in the Section 4 Unity Rally is that we are all ministers. It's not just those of us that have taken all the steps and gone, taken all the tests and studied all the books and gone through the process of meeting the board and all that stuff to get our preaching license. (laughs) Yeah, we're ministers, but the Bible says we are all able ministers. Right? So what's our excuse? We don't have one. Thou art art inexcusable, O man. I think it says that somewhere. I'm pretty sure it does. Some, Some of you are shaking your head like, yeah, I've heard that before too. We are, we have no excuses. Well, I'm not very good. Now, I told somebody the other day that I used to not be like this. I used to be very backwards and shy and couldn't even, without a note, knowing that, well, anyway, I won't say that. They're recording, but hard to believe, right? Hard to believe, right? This is what the Holy Ghost did to me. I'm not blaming God. I'm just thankful he kind of pulled me out of my shell, right? Because how else am I going to talk to people and show the love of God in my life and just be, you know, bubbly all the time? And, I, you know, I want people to say, what, something different about you. I want to hear those words out of their mouth. Can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about you that's different. Because that's a door. That's an open door. That's an opportunity. Oh, yeah, well, let me tell you about it. Testimony time. Yeah. It's not the time for testimony in here. That's the time for testimony out there. You know. And when you tell some people, they're like, no way. You didn't used to do that. Yeah, I did. No way. Yeah, I did. 
And so we are all able ministers. And if we've trusted God, that God is real and that only he can save us. And, and, and if we trusted and believed in his word and we repented of our sins and received his name in water baptism and received his spirit to live in us, then we are fully qualified in God's eyes to take this same gospel and to minister it to others about this wonderful life-changing experience we have. Did it change anybody's life in here? Just a little, maybe? Just a little. No, a lot. A lot. Like I said, I couldn't, I could not, I still today can't really explain everything that happened. That happened in my life. But I know something happened when I took on that name. Something changed. Something different. There was something different about me. And it's been like that ever since. That's how real this is. Amen. And so we've got to be that. We've got 51,000 plus people in the city of La Crosse. That's not counting the county. I think it's up around 100,000 if you include Onalaska and Holman and all these other West Salem and all these other places around here. So we've got a large area, a lot of people in the field, a lot of. You know, the fields are wide unto harvest. Where are we? Amen? They need somebody praying and reaching out for them. You know, we got we got to pray. We got we to gotta go out and plow. The, the, the farmers plow the field. We talked about this when I was talking about the harvest. They, they plow the field in the spring, and then, they, and then they plant the seed, and they wait for the rain and the sunshine. And then, and then the, the plants come up, and then when it turns white or brown, then they harvest it, and they take it into the barn. Right? And that's what we're supposed to do. That's the type of what we're supposed to be doing over and over and over. The more people we win, the more workers we add to the kingdom. The more people that get to go to heaven with us, to that better country right and he said he's preparing that place for us his creation that place wasn't prepared for the devil and his angels there's another place that was prepared for the devil and his angels Is that what the bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels it wasn't created for people for souls and so why would we want to let them just go there because if we don't tell them, that's what we're essentially doing. We're letting them choose without knowing that they got another opportunity to make a different decision. Right? I thank God somebody gave me an opportunity to make a different decision. Because I was headed for that place. And I was one of those guys that was like talking about partying in hell and stuff like that. How warped is that? That's warped thinking. But God opened my eyes. Somebody prayed for me. There's, there's a song that's, that has these words. Somebody prayed for me, kept me on their mind, took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me, put me on there. They took the time out of their day and said, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to go stand in the gap for this individual and make up the hedge because they can't pray for themselves. They don't know that they're blind, first of all. And so we got to start praying God into their life. Draw them like you drew me, God. 
No man comes to him except he draws them. I want him to draw everybody in this city. I want to have the problem. And I'm sure this pastor and his wife wants to have the problem of not enough seats and too many people. Right? So that we have to go look for a new building. And when, you know what? I just believe when we get to that point, Sister Bell, he's already going to have one ready. He's already going to have it. He's already got it ready right now. He'll empty one out just so we can move in. Right? Amen. That's, that's how much faith I got that God wants to. I mean, we are the only light in this city that I know of. John three seventeen says, For God sent not his Son into the world to contemn, condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him, and if we got him and us, that means that the world through us might be saved. And so I, 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 counted the Lord, I felt like the Lord was telling me we've got to be careful because we say this sometimes and we do exactly what the Scripture says that Jesus, he sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. We call that out there, that it's not living for God, the world, don't we? This world is not my home. Got to, you know, come out from among them, them out there, the world, right? Come out from among them, those, those worldly people out there, and be separate and touch not that unclean thing out there. We got to be careful. We don't use that as an excuse not to talk to people. Because that world out there, as we call it, is lost. They're lost. And so we have to be careful that we don't accidentally let ourselves start, I don't want to say condemning, but in our mind we're saying, well, that wicked world out there, they're so wicked, and we're so good, and we're so righteous in here, right? They need Jesus. <laughs> Do you, does anybody besides me want to have some testimonies in here, some people that were delivered from meth? I know one person that was delivered. She was on meth for 10 years. She was on meth for 10 years. She's in church today serving God. She was before that. Her mom, didn't, her mom prayed for her every service that we were in. She'd stand up and pray for her daughter. I don't even know where she is. I don't even know if she's alive. But God, if she's still alive, save her. That's all, it's just simple. I, I knew her name. I never knew who she was until one day she came walking in the church. After 10 years of being on meth, she should have been dead. But here she was. And she was refilled with the Holy Ghost and just totally just, whew, just turned her life around. And is still in church to this day. Married a godly man. Now she's paying the price for that. She's suffering some things in her body. And God's choosing not to heal that, but that's, that's a price she paid for those times and those things that she did. But God's merciful to her, and he saved her. And I want to hear some testimonies like that. I want to take somebody like that with me to heaven. <laughs> and I'm the new kid in town, so I don't know everybody around here like y'all do. Right? I'm having to learn everybody as I go. They're starting to... Get used to seeing my wife and I in the festival and some of the places. They're starting to recognize that we're those same people that come in here all the time. 
And I, I'm figuring out it's going to take a while for us to get to that place, but I'm not going to let that stop me. God's already given me a field, given you a field, given you a field. Wherever you go, nursing home, wherever you go, there's your field. So it's not our job to condemn or judge. Jesus is going to do all that in judgment, right? A lot of the people that Jesus came in contact with, they didn't even know that he was reaching for their soul. They were in need. They had a need, a physical need. They needed healing. They needed food. They needed something. And he was just ministering to their need. But little did he know that he was reaching for their soul. Even the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and all these religious people, he was reaching for their souls. Amen? I pray for these pastors and ministers in this city. Because I know, if nothing else, they're sitting down somewhere sometime in during the week, and they're preparing a message. And God can give them revelation while they're just sitting there simply preparing a message. And the last thing they expect is for God to open their eyes to see something that they've seen a hundred times and they never quite saw it that way before. And God will open their eyes and give them revelation. And if I can't get in their office and talk to them, I'm going to pray for them. Because... It, wouldn't that be awesome? God gives some preacher revelation and he just says, oh, you know what? I've got to get baptized in Jesus' name. And he calls up this pastor and says, would you baptize me in Jesus' name? Because I think you're the only one in town that does that. And then we baptize him in Jesus' name. And then he goes back and baptizes his whole church in Jesus' name. Now we got a whole church we just want. Or God, you know. Man, isn't that awesome? We get a whole church full of people in a building. That's happened before. Hundreds of times all over this country, all over this world. Men, men that are men of God, that love God, that love this word, God gave them revelation and let them see it. But the thing is, before he departed this earth, he left us a commission. He left us something to do. And it's not just to make it to heaven. You know, that, that love that he was showing those people, it's called agape love. You ever heard of that? You know what agape love is? There's five different kinds of love in the Bible. I'm not going to get into all that. But the agape love is the only one that is unconditional. There's no conditions attached to it. And that's the God love. That's the kind of love that Jesus was showing to those lost people. And the disciples couldn't understand it. And what did they do? They tried to tell them, get away, get away. Oh, you nasty, smelly person, get away. You, you... Sinner, get away, you blind people. Don't, don't bother the Lord right now. Isn't that what they did? And he was like, no, bring him here. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to love on him. I'm going to show you boys some stuff. He's going to pick up some dirt and spit in it and wad it up and stick it in that guy's eye because he's the creator, isn't he? I'm just going to create him some new eyes out of dirt because that's what he's made of anyway. Right? Or stick some stuff, my fingers in his ear and say, okay, boom, you can hear. And you know what the amazing thing is? Jesus, we read this tonight, actually. He said, greater things than these shall you do. Than I did on this earth. All that stuff he did, sticking his fingers in their ears and making mud balls. And he said, we'd do that stuff and even greater stuff. And God will use anybody in this building from the pastor on down. If you'll just exercise your faith, he'll use you. He don't. They don't have to be in this building. 
where did most of the healings take place in the Bible? Where did most of the, the, the experiences that, that people had with Jesus and their li- eyes being opened, their lives being turned around, where did it happen? Not in a building. Very few, a couple of them. The guy that they, they lowered down through the roof and the man with the withered hand was in the temple. That's the only two I can think of. There might be more. Our Bible scholar will be back tomorrow. So, <laughs> But that's something i got to study. But he equipped us. He made us to be his, his hands, his feet, his body. Are we not his body? Did we not receive the Holy Ghost? What did he say in Acts 1 and 8? Somebody tell me. Right. So did any of us in here receive any power? What are we doing with it? I'm asking myself, what am I doing with it? How how big or how little is my faith with, with respect to my power right now? Right? Greater things than these shall you do. Right? Praise God. We're trying to get to that better country. Wow, I didn't get through all this. So we're we're coming to the end here, folks. We're coming to the close of this time, this thing we call time on this earth. And we need to just have them just this building just busting at the seams, where we got to be sitting people downstairs with a monitor with the camera on the service so that they can see just like they've been doing up in Eau Claire in the winter in the winter conferences that we have they've had to put people in other rooms and let them watch the service on monitor cuz the sanctuary was full I want to have that kind of problem in a regular church service don't you and it's not his job to win everybody it's really not his I mean he should the commissions to him too but it's our job. Oh, there's that scripture. My wife wanted to show you all that. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for when, wherein ye judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that, thou that judgest doest the same things. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so is that guy that you work with. That guy you work with, that person that you see at that school, they are a sinner. They just need to be saved by grace, by God's mercy. And God sent you to be that voice. He sent you to be that Jeremiah to tell them. Don't, don't. He told Jeremiah, don't worry about what their faces look like. They're going to make, they're going to contort their faces when you tell them some of this stuff. And they're going to go, What? Do what? You want me to speak in what? You know, they're going to do that. But if it's a testimony, if it happened to you, you don't have to read it off of a cue card, do you? You could, re- you could tell it over and over and over again what God did to you and for you in your life. Right? You don't have to read it off of a script. If it happened to you, bad or good, you, you, it's, it's permanently embedded on your brain. You'll never forget that. Details. So, amen. God is good to us tonight.
We want to go. We want to make it to that better country, but we want to take as many as we can with us. Amen. Father, you're so good to us tonight, and we love you, and we appreciate you. We thank you for your good.